0: Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary, Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Crispin Topics on today's episode include lender adaptability, my interview with Service First CEO Kurt Newth, and NCS COO Lisa Binkley on VOE cascades and income documentation, and the hope that rates drop. Thanks to EarnUp an award-winning consumer-first technology payments platform with a mission to create a financial system that can work for everyone. With EarnUp, lenders can engage borrowers post origination to elevate customer experience and brand loyalty. Sure, a recession would cause rates to drop, but before that happens, are residential lenders looking at a long autumn and winter? Our business is dealing with broad topics such as affordable housing, housing inventory being impacted by potential sellers taking properties off the market, and the general trend in mortgage rates, all the way down to the cost of credit reports potentially approaching $100 per report, and making you sure to talk to your warehouse lender weekly. Not weekly as in W-E-A-K, but W-E-E-K. Lenders are looking at cross-training skill sets. Prioritizing coverage and making sure to cross-train people can play to their strengths. Analyzing what tasks they're doing and the best people to do it. What about workflow? Lenders are minimizing file touches, using a cheaper resource for parts of the file, and moving more duties from underwriting to cheaper personnel. Or when it comes to using checklists, you know things like once a file hits intake, if there's enough information to make a credit decision, have a go right to the underwriter. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome on to the podcast, Kurt Newth and Lisa Binkley. Kurt Newth is COO of Service First and NCS, playing a critical role in overseeing key strategic initiatives for the company's portfolio and leadership team. He's led a company-wide transformation to embrace additional data verification solutions that have cross-appealed to multiple marketplaces, such as its recently de- deployed Cascade feature for verification of income and employment. Regularly interfacing with government and industry resources, Kurtz an expert and advocate concerning the modernization efforts of IRS Tax Transcript Program, Ives, and the SSA's eCSBV program. Service First provides one-stop loan origination and verification services, empowered by their affiliate partners at NCS. Together, their best-in-class fintech solutions combines automation, human logic, and regulatory compliance for lenders. Lisa Binkley is Chief Operating Officer at NCS, responsible for driving innovative product development and improving client experience with bottom-line results. Spanning over 30 years of combined mortgage industry knowledge from origination and underwriting, she understands all lending disciplines and mortgage processes from a practical user level. Her contributions include, but are not limited to, the design and deployments of VOE Services, a cascade tool that allows all consumer employment income to be serviced quickly in today's digital mortgage marketplace, and Income Plus, a simplified income determination tool that leverages the trusted data from employers and the IRS to perform various calculations using a customizable standards-based rules engine. Service First is all about total loan verification services made simple. Can you give kind of an elevator pitch about what y'all are doing over there and what you've been working on?
1: Yeah. So thank you, Robbie. So we have, let's see, going back to NCS. So NCS um, uh, joined up with S1, purchased S1 as a retail conduit for our services. So it's a credit reporting agency that um, has this bolt on with NCS, right? So NCS is known as a uh, a 4506 pioneer, right? So we have been involved with the IRS for tax return transcripts, for VOEs. Uh, working with the SSA for a whole bunch of years. So the S1 offering to our clients now is you have this, you know, best in class for both sides for the credit reporting and the ancillary services around that. And then you have, like I said, the, the powerhouse of NCS with all the verification. So it's, it's all bundled together. Uh, it's all using the Meridian link, uh, credit reporting system uh, with all the integrations and powers that it has there. And um you know, it's all about trying to make it as seamless of an offering as possible. That's that's the biggie that we're focused on today. Yeah. So
0: Lisa, when we're when we're looking to speed up verification workflow or, or help out on regulatory compliance, what are a lot of the snags that companies find themselves running into where Service First can help?
2: Well, I think that um, first of all, when you use a, a human in any process, you have a uh, a lot of tribal knowledge that comes into that process, and so you have a different way of doing things every time a human picks up a file. So, in the world of outsource uh, verification processing, you know we um, basically make the system automations as much as we possibly can, and then we apply that same. Um, systematic uh, process to our human processes. So here's how you do it. It has to be done the same way every time and we build the system around that so it's uh, easily quantifiable and measurable about what they're doing. So for example that would be onboard um, communications. So every time we need to communicate with an end user they go through the same system using the same templates uh, regarding the same issue every single time Uh, regarding the calling mechanism. They're not picking up a phone and calling it. It's onboard and integrated into whatever processing system we have. So I think that those are really the areas where you can minimize the risks, uh, not only compliance, but also uh, reputational when you are uh, processing any type Mm -hmm. of verification as it applies to our credit. Uh, verification for service first. The same applies for all the underlying activities with a credit report, such as I had an inquiry on my credit report. I now need the under the uh, um, creditor to confirm whether I did or did not get an account based upon that inquiry. So that's all automated. The customer comes in, says I need to verify this inquiry, boom, it's done. less than twenty four hours later, we get it done. Uh, it's and that's the same way for any type of process. It's through a system that has good processes uh, behind it.
0: Yeah, and to follow up on that, when we talk about hybrid solutions, we're we're melding humans and automated performance. What are the the best ways for companies to, uh, you know, aim for success when it comes to to blending these two areas?
1: So I think the I think the tricky thing right now for lenders is that you know we're in this this bridge space where you know you you still have these manual processes, but you have automation whether it's you know instant bank statement data, employment data, uh, even the IRS data where you know you, you you have these automated pieces, but there's still manual aspects to it. Whether it's the forty five six, whether it's where you know it's about seventy percent of all VOEs. You do have to be manually fulfilled, right? And that can fluctuate geographically. So I think the, I think the thing when you, if you're a lender, you know, uh, the things that you're looking at is, you know, how are you blending those two fulfillment pieces? You know, is the manual piece that, you know, you're looking at either doing yourself or you're looking at with a third-party fulfillment entity? You know, are they measuring uh, each step is there a timestamp with each step? Is it reportable, right? So are they providing you reports, whether they're internal reports, external reports, you know, all those pieces being reported upon so that you can continue to drill down on benchmarks so that you can continue to drill down on SLAs and so forth and so on. So, you know, you can, you can get those manual pieces really tied down as long as you have the measurables that go against each uh, process step. Now, are they being time-stamped? Are they reportable, and can you drill down on the uh, SLAs associated with them?
0: When it comes to reporting or verification services, how are you bringing transparency to the process, and how is this benefiting your clients?
2: I just recently did an analysis on a customer who was testing us, and I could go down to the level of each one of the the turnaround time for each one of their verifications, as well as their turnaround time compared to their uh, industry and their um, uh, counterparts. Uh, And then lastly, how many times I communicated with them in order to gain turnaround time better. Uh, So I think that it is a, um, uh, with regard to originators, and especially in today's world. My opinion is, is that if you have reliability and accountability in place, and then you also have the systems, the people, and the processes in place, you can rely, as an originator, you can rely on us to get that done. And I think that's really what originators want. They don't really want to know all your secret sauce. They just want to know that they can give you the task, and the task is done in a manner of which you promise in the time frame of which you promise, yeah, so, I think that that's really key to everything and and we can measure everything. We can tell you how many uh, how many orders you went through that went through an automated uh, third party provider, an instant provider. We can tell you how many went through a manual. We can tell you where the geography is of all of your. Uh, loans because everything that we do is transcribed into data.
1: Yeah, if I may, I mean, the thing is, it's like, you know, uh, doing transcript fulfillment, doing VOEs. I mean, these are not, you know, groundbreaking pieces, you know, within within processing, right? So the thing that really separates any third party entity is, you know, what is their turn time? what are their processes? Are they systemic is what Lisa was saying. You know, th- those are really the, the differentiators. And now as we come into more of the, uh, you know, these VOE cascades, which we have, which many in the marketplace have, you know, there's a lot going on there, just even in, in the technology of how you are cascading through those. And even some of the logic that you're putting into your cascade, uh, as you know, uh, here recently, there's <laughs> a number of, uh, recent news that's that's starting to impact that whole uh cascade yeah that's that's really becoming important so i would say that you know even though these are you know you can say commodities right credit reporting dealies trvs there is still a fair amount within your technology and how you are you know reporting on that data and what are you doing with respect to turn time that you know if you you lose a lock um something goes bad in the in the uh, transaction there uh you know all of a sudden these things become very important Um, and it happens. It happens. I mean, we, we, we get clients that, that have told us that. Um, So, you know, those, those faults, those failures within process, I mean, they do occur when they do, they're painful.
0: And Kurt, I mean, there's, you know, when you talk about turn times, it's something that's very quantifiable, but there is also a qualifiable side of things. And that, you know, that's, that's stuff like customer service. How do you instill good customer service into your employees so that you can have satisfaction of those that are using your product?
1: Yeah. So, you know, the customer service piece, uh, whether it is something quantifiable as the percentage of how many times that we answer on the first call, right? Uh, whether it is uh, any of the work that we're doing when we reach out to employers. Uh, and how frequently we can get, uh, you know, employers as opposed to callbacks. Um, whether it's when we're doing a supplement, right? That you know, all of our team is U.S. based. You know, those are the customer service pieces. I mean, that's you know, that's our name, right? Our name is Service First for for a reason. You know, those things are important, especially when I think of credit reporting. You know, a lot of times it's the first, you know, outside of your maybe your POS system. You know, it is the first voice piece outside of the LO that your consumers getting in touch with because they're you know they may have to do a conference call when they're doing a trade line supplement right and so your your CSR is on there and and this is a representative of your your mortgage company so you know I sure hope that the person that's on the other line you know uh can represent your your company well we feel that our our team does a good job at that
2: Well, and Kurt, I would also interject that um, service is a culture. Yep. And uh, we deploy people for that culture. We don't deploy um, automation. We don't deploy overseas. We don't deploy a thing. But for service, it's people. You call us, we answer the phone. Or we call you back if we're all on the phone. Uh, For questions, we answer in person. So I think that it's a it's a culture that we built at uh, NCS and then we uh, continue in service first. And that was really one of the reasons I think that why we bought it is because their culture matched ours as well.
0: Well put when it comes to risk mitigation solutions and and verification tools. As we move towards the end of 22 and into 2023, what's coming as we near the finish of this calendar year?
2: Oh, well, there's a lot. There's a lot. I mean, it is, it, it is uh, uh, you know, like Kurt already brought up the VOE cascades. Well, we have some people changing processes and changing the data feeds and changing the requirements of tiering um, scoring mechanisms, et cetera, that are all kind of coming in last minute and uh, have a January deadline That we are all going to have to deal with. I don't care if you're Service First or some other uh, CRA out there, we're all going to have to deal with that. And most importantly, help the client deal with that. Um, We are um, uh, coming out also with the new IRS form that has another whole level of complexity to it. That, uh, you know, Kurt, do you want to touch on that form real quick for the IRS?
1: Yeah, so the 4506 C form, right? So there's a there's a version of that that um we have lobbied, we have lobbied the IRS. Oh gosh. 40 years. Well, yeah, I mean, so <laughs> NCS got involved in this thing in '94. Uh Lisa was previously with Rapid Reporting and, and Rapid Reporting did a lot of work there too. Um, and uh so we have a long, you know, track history of advocacy work with the IRS. MBA and many other, um, you know, partners and and um, uh, you know folks that we know within the industry have, have, have you know parlayed into all this advocacy work that we've done. So a lot of a lot of pats on the back. So this isn't just an S one or NCS deal. Um, so we we are close to getting the uh, IRS to push back. How quickly they are wanting to implement this new form. So. From a, you know, um, doc management perspective, doc prep perspective, that's really important. We want to try to give those entities as much time as possible. So we are advocating that the IRS delays that out to April. And we think we're a to good shot at that. Um, additionally, the turn time. Uh, so, you know, turn times, well, at least I guess in May they were.
2: Oh, you know, they were. For days. some people, they were. uh for some people, they were up into 30 days turn yeah. time just for a tax transcript. And I think it's important to recognize and kind of toot our own horn a little bit because of our culture of having people on shore and people in our company, humans doing these processes. um, Our turn times were typically eight to 10 days below yep. the rest of the industry. And that's because. Our people were like bulldogs uh, on the IRS with our missing orders and our missing batches and our disputed orders with they were sending us stuff that we didn't order. Mm. And so I think that, you know, as far as uh, setting apart, setting ourselves apart from the crowd, we do it that way with our people. And then as Kurt is, is talking about our advocacy with uh, not only they, na- they have to maintain their turn time, we give them reports of their turn time. And uh, I think I answered your question there,
1: Kurt. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's it. It's the everything that's going on with the IRS, um, the ECBSB program. Uh, that's that's another one that's that's uh, you know got deployed here in uh middle part of this this year from uh, S1. And so that, Robbie, that was um, I guess that was the last of the initial disclosures to the consumer that could not be e-signed. So right. it was a it was a real bottleneck. Um, so that uh, so that is now gone. So now all of those disclosures can be e-signed. so that was a that was a biggie again, something we advocated for for a long time. Uh, and so we are you know actively enrolling um, uh, resellers in that from the NCS side and then our direct end users from the s one side uh, we're enrolling into that program. so that's that's a uh, that's a biggie that we're talking about at the NBA conference coming up here as well.
0: And another thing you might be talking about at the MBA conference is Income Plus, which is a simplified income determination tool. Lisa, you know a heck of a lot more about this than I do. Can you explain uh, what it is and and how it's helping?
2: Sure. Um, Income Plus is really data. So we're taking the data from uh, the employers or the data from the IRS that we receive, and we are parsing it out down to a monthly income a 12-month income, a 24-month income. And, uh, and then we list out to the end users, we list out messages about that income, which are just standard underwriting requirements. Hey, that income wasn't present for 24 months, so you might need to disallow that. Or you've got expenses much greater than the previous year. Uh, you may want to take a look at that. Um, and I think that we try and make, the lending industry tries to make everything really difficult. Income calculations are not that difficult, and especially when you have a system that is just able to do it. We've made ours super simple. We say, order your tax transcripts. You have a setting on your account that uh, is, is present when you place your order. We return you a report. That lists out all of those income calculations, the messages about those income calculations specific to any schedules. If it's tax transcripts specific to any bonus or overtime income, if it's verification of employment. And uh, and then we also attach in that payload. You have all the data, all the employer forms, all the tax transcript forms that you can not only take what we say. As the monthly income, but you have the underlying documentation that supports that income. So once again, as a, as we started this interview, you had stated, um, you know, what what about compliance? What about risk management? Well, it is risk ma- proper proper risk management to take systemic calculations, apply a system calculation across something one hundred percent of the time to get the same result one hundred percent of the time. Uh, the same consistency of result, one hundred percent of the time.
1: Yeah, the consistency part is really important, right? It's got to be across. That's the idea is that you want that same process across the board. Robbie, when we were talking to uh, you know our clients about how they determine income, uh, it was it was really all over the board. You know, many were doing just a a simple spreadsheet, right? And they were taking the the borrower's um, uh, income documents or tax returns and plugging them in, in a spreadsheet and coming up with income figures that way. And so they were, you know, the uh, LO might do something on the back of a napkin, the processor does one, and then the underwriter does one. And they rarely matched. And so then they would, they would come together and argue about who's, you know, who's doing this and who's doing that. And then they, you know, work something out. Well, that's incredibly inefficient. So, you know, we wanted to create something that was a light lift. There are uh, marketplace solutions that are really, really good tools, uh, but they're a pretty heavy lift. And for complex um, uh, income earners uh, with multiple varied sources of income, uh, and they're they're again very powerful, but a pretty heavy lift. So we wanted Income Plus to be much more nimble, uh, you know, easy to consume those tax transcripts. Now that they're back to 48 hours and we expect them to stay that way for a long time, especially with the OCR that the IRS is deploying, we expect that that turn time is going to stay steady. So that is important for Income Plus. And, uh, you know, as Lisa was saying, it's it's a systemic process, right? The the processor, the underwriter, you know, everybody's on board and they can see that we arrived at the calculations. And one quick last thing, um, you know, we're working on getting an insurance wrapper around that Income Plus. Um, to again, you know provide some assurances around the calcs uh, and, it, and it's customizable. So uh, if there's other overlays that you want us to consider in there, uh, we can work with you on it.
0: Before I let you go, I wanted to talk about credit reporting, uh, whether that's quality or documentation or scoring. What's the latest there uh, and and how's uh, service first helping out with those things?
1: Yeah, so I'll start. Lisa, you fill in any gaps as, <laughs> as normal. Sure. Uh, uh, so, um, you know, on the credit reporting side, you know, there was a lot of HELOC uh, you know, activity here as of late. Um, and so, you know, obviously if you're not submitting to the GSEs, you're holding your own paper, etc., you know, you have um, choice in terms of models. And so, you know, I think the thing um, just to remember is that there's there's choice there. And there are different models that can be used from vantage score to the, the different FICO scores. And there's there's some advantages of those scores. So keep that in mind. Um, and then I think, you know, especially as we're we're back into this purchase market, um, you know, lead gen is really, really important, especially as you know, the marketplace is reeling from everything that has been going on here as of late. So um, you know, from a lead generation perspective, uh, we have a good partner in Experian. Uh, and they have a really cool, uh, I really like it. It's a propensity model called the in-the-market model uh, for mortgage. I'm going to try to remember this right. So of that top 20 percentile, 80% of those that score there are, are likely to enter the mortgage market within the next 120 days. So it, it, it's, a, it's a strong scoring model or a strong propensity model. Uh, that you can add on to whatever lead list you have, whether you want to purchase one from Experian, or you want to upload your own. Uh, it's all within their iScore or i. Score, right? What is that called? I was I, I,
2: I watch. I, I'm not sure either. I get I, confused. I, always, I,
1: I believe it's iScore, um, <laughs> but that that platform um, has the in the market model. That's the thing we're really excited about. It's it's powerful. It's really yeah. powerful.
2: And I think then the last thing probably about credit quality. You know, uh, this is not uh, this is not the first time that the mortgage industry is uh, going to be is experiencing a downturn and uh, probably won't ever won't be the last. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's encouraging to, um, you know, to just to just know where we've been and where we're going. We are uh, at the bottom at the lowest. I think we've been a nine hundred Dollar industry at the highest, we've been like a two point three or something. Don't you know? I don't know that those are actual numbers, but they're close. So one of the things that's going on right now in times like these, credit quality declines, and so from a credit reporting uh, process flow, we do a lot more updating of accounts, uh, verifying uh, derogatory data, etc. So you really want a team on your side that is knowledgeable in all of these processes and can help you navigate these somewhat, uh, sometimes credit challenged files. Uh, and so we, you know, we have the uh, well-qualified staff to be able to do that, and uh, it's showing in the in the number of uh, supplements and requests that we're receiving. Uh, I think that what did I say, Kurt? I mean, they're up like over thirty percent over the past three or four months All right, of the yes. uh, of the changes of trade lines ex- and updates of trade lines, etc. So that's just kind of one of the nuances of the current environment that yep. we're in, and. And, uh, you know, it's, it's here and we all got to work through it. And, uh, we look forward to, uh, more, uh, more, uh, volume and more time.
0: Fantastic. Well, I want to thank both you for making the time today. I found this highly informative and, uh, hopefully we'll have you back on
1: soon. Great. Appreciate it, Robbie. Thanks, Robbie.
0: Are you hoping that rates drop soon? That would be highly unexpected given global economic conditions. But interest rates will continue to go down and up daily, just like yesterday. Tuesday was another volatile trading day that saw mortgage-backed securities, treasuries, and equities rally early in the day, only to get pummeled later, with the 10-year settling just below 4% for the first time since the middle of last week. The only piece of economic news was the NIHB housing market index in October, which experienced a much larger drop than expected. With the 30-year rate sitting at the highest level since 2002, Mortgage Bankers Association reported that mortgage applications decreased 4.5% from one week earlier, entering into the fourth month of declines and dropping to the lowest level since 1997. We've also received housing starts and building permits for September, with the attention on starts dropping 8.1%. Later this morning brings a treasury auction of $12 billion, reopened 20-year bonds, and remarks from Minneapolis Fed President Kashkari and Chicago Fed President Evans. Between the two Fed presidents, markets will digest the latest page Book. We begin the day with Agent Sam B.S. prices worse a quarter, and the 10-year yielding 4.09 after closing yesterday at 4%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. When Beethoven passed away in 1827, he was buried in Vienna's Central Cemetery. A couple days later, the town drunk was walking through the cemetery and heard some strange noise coming from the area where Beethoven was buried. Terrified, the drunk ran and got the priest to come and listen to it. The priest bent close to the grave and heard some faint, unrecognizable music coming from the grave. Frightened, the priest ran and got the town magistrate. When the magistrate arrived, he bent his ear to the grave, listened for a moment, and said, Ah yes, that's Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, being played backwards. He listened a while longer and said, There's the Eighth Symphony. It's backwards too. Most puzzling. So the magistrate kept listening. There's the 7th, the 6th, the 5th. Suddenly, the realization of what was happening dawned on the magistrate. He stood up and announced to the crowd that had gathered in the cemetery. My fellow citizens, there's nothing to worry about. It's just Beethoven decomposing. (laughs) Thanks again to Erna, who's reinventing payment and data flows in real estate ecosystems, origination mortgage, and fintech. To learn more, visit earnup.com slash Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search mortgage news on any platform you get
1: your podcast from.